Hello everyone and welcome to another episode on Learning with Lindo. This week's topic is Generalized Anxiety Disorder. Children with Generalized Anxiety Disorder experience excessive and uncontrollable worry about aspects of their day-to-day life, about future events and about minor matters, so really everything. This can include worry about the health and safety of themselves and their family, their academic or extracurricular performance, their friendships and what others think of them, their future as an adult, so thinking of their career path they'd like to choose or the partner they'd like to be with. It can also be worry about their parents' marital satisfaction or their family stability, money matters, things that are also going on in the world, such as the environment, crime, the government, and even such things as the pandemic we're currently going through. They might also worry about punctuality and so much more. So quite frankly, it's simply worrying about everything. We're most likely to assume that adults would worry more, right? They would worry about so many things based on the responsibilities that they have, such as work, relationships, money, friendships, and every other worry attached to what we call adulting. But children worry too. It might sometimes come across as something that can be easily brushed off because, hey, you're just a kid. What could you worry that much about? These are some of the things that you will hear adults saying to children. The reality, though, is that anxiety and worry can affect children. Do we agree on that? Okay, agreed. Great. Now we can move right along. Children may be struggling with generalized anxiety disorder if they are worrying more than their peers. They are worrying more days than not and if they find it difficult to stop worrying. In addition, children with generalized anxiety disorder often demonstrate physical symptoms when anxious, such as fatigue, restlessness, trouble concentrating, irritability, muscle tension, and sleep difficulties. Although all children sometimes experience worry about a range of events and activities, for those with generalized anxiety disorder, this worry is excessive. One, it is ongoing. Two, it is uncontrollable. Three, and four, it is physically draining and significantly negatively impacts the quality of life of both the child and the family. If you're a parent or a guardian, a caregiver, or you spend sufficient time around children, then these are the signs of generalized anxiety disorders to look out for in children. We have four categories. The first one that we're going to look at are the thought symptoms. These are some of the thoughts or the questions that a child might often ask or think about, such as, oh, what if I fail my test tomorrow? What if there's a storm and the house gets destroyed? What if everyone thought my story was stupid during story time in class? What if climate change keeps getting worse? What if my mom develops cancer? What if I don't get into university? What if someone breaks into our house while we're not here? You may also have children who worry compulsively about about where their next meal will come from or they worry about their own safety and well-being. There are also physical symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder. These can be seen when a child is fidgety, constantly amped up and unable to sit still. This might also be um, labeled as hyperactivity. They might be irritable. They might constantly be tired. They might have muscle pains that are in the neck and the shoulders. They might also have a lot of headaches and a lot of stomach aches. 
There are also behavior symptoms, which are things that you should look out for, which could be a pointer of, uh, of generalized anxiety disorder, which are tantrums, snapping at others, difficulty paying attention or concentrating, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep or disturbed or interrupted sleep, excessive studying or excessive preparation for something, reassurance seeking so children that are that constantly need to be reassured that things are going to be okay or this is what we're going to be doing also excessive or unreasonable list making where they constantly want to have things in order procrastinating or avoidance of certain tasks and also refusal to go to school the last category of symptoms is emotions so these are emotions that are exhibited by an anxious child with generalized anxiety disorder so the first one being anxiety as an emotion sadness anger shame and guilt the anxious thoughts of a child with generalized anxiety disorder are exaggerated but they tend to focus on tangible real life issues so this is not a child that is worrying about dinosaurs that like no one ever really has ever seen in our lifetime so unlike social anxiety disorder they are focused on their own perfectionism rather than what others will think of them and unlike an adults with generalized anxiety disorder who realize that their pervasive anxiety is not an appropriate response to their actual situation children with generalized anxiety disorder may not immediately recognize that their fears are outsized it should also be noted that many of the symptoms of generalized anxiety disorders are also symptoms of other more specific anxiety disorders and differentiating them can be very difficult. So how is generalized anxiety disorder diagnosed? A diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder can be made when a child's anxiety is beyond her control. It is focused on a number of different activities and it causes significant distress or impairment and is present for more days than not for at least six months. GAD is distinguished from typical worry in its excessiveness, longer duration, lack of precipitating events and occurrence even when the performance or the activity is not being evaluated. To be diagnosed, a child must have one of the symptoms one of these symptoms, which are restlessness, on edge feeling, fatigue, loss of focus, irritability, muscle tension, and trouble sleeping. Now that we know what it is and how it is diagnosed, how is it treated? Treatment for generalized anxiety disorder has a psychotherapeutic and a pharmacological component. In therapy, the family plays an integral role in helping the child in his or her quest to control his or her anxiety and its effects. Kids really need their parents or support to help, uh, to help in working through the symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder. Psychotherapy, which was the first point that I mentioned, involves generalized anxiety often treated with cognitive behavioral therapy. Exposure therapy, in which a therapist exposes a child to stresses in gradual increments and teaches him or her to manage the anxiety response, can be effective for generalized anxiety disorder. But it's difficult because of the wide range of stresses that could be, you know, causing the child's anxiety. Another technique involves teaching the child how to recognize the symptoms, which is how, how they can see when they are 
having an anxiety moment or an anxious moment, how his or her thinking contributes to anxiety, and to understand that the anxiety response is out of proportion to the things that trigger it. This is referred to in some circles as decatastrophizing. So it's like the child obviously thinks this whole thing is a huge mountain. So when you make them, when you decatastrophize, you make them understand that it's not as big as the child thinks it is. It is there, but it's not as big as the child thinks it is. The pharmacological um, treatment approach, uh, generalized anxiety disorder, often responds very well to the group of antidepressants and medications called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors or SSRIs. Anti-anxiety drugs are often prescribed if these do not provide the desired result. We also have uh, benzos, uh, a group of drugs that are called benzos. These are fast-acting sedatives that work well to curb bouts of anxiety, but are prescribed sparingly, obviously, because they have a habit forming and a person can get easily addicted to them. What are the consequences of untreated anxiety? So now let's say that you can see that a child is displaying symptoms of anxiety and you as an adult decide, hey, Let's ignore these and just hope that they dissipate or they'll eventually vanish. If you look at the prevalence of rates of anxiety disorders, you'll see that the numbers rise as children get older, which makes sense because anxiety disorders are cognitive, so they develop as our cognitive ability develops. Anxiety frequently recurs too, and childhood anxiety is often a precursor for adult anxiety especially for kids who don't receive treatment many adults seeking help for anxiety can remember when they were younger which means that they've been struggling for a long time and could have been benefited from treatment as a child also avoidance reinforces the anxiety kids with untreated anxiety also begin to develop poor coping skills A common example is avoidance. People who are very anxious will try to contain it by avoiding the thing that makes them anxious. It's a short-term solution which can work, but unfortunately that solution of avoidance reinforces their anxiety instead of acclimating them to it. Also, anxiety leads to depression. People living with anxiety for extended periods of time are also more likely to be diagnosed with depression. It is uncommon to meet patients who come seeking treatment for depression or depressive symptoms and it turns out that they've actually been dealing with lifelong anxiety as well. In cases like this, people need treatment for anxiety and for depression. Fortunately, anxiety can be treated. Anxiety responds very well to cognitive behavior therapy, which is CBT, and there are medications that work. Getting help makes a big difference. Treatment doesn't need to be lifelong, although the effects of the treatment will be positive and lifelong. Dr. Goldstein suggests a few things, tend to be exact, but a few things that you can do as a parent or caregiver or a guardian or an adult who knows, um, or who knows a child who might be suffering from anxiety. So the first thing you can do as a parent or an adult is to try and model healthy ways of handling anxiety. Like I said in one of my previous episodes that children are 
are impressionable they they do more of what we do than more of what we say there are multiples way multiple ways that you can help kids handle anxiety by letting them see how you cope with anxiety yourself because kids are perceptive they're going to take it in if you keep complaining so if they hear you on the phone complaining to this friend about that complaining to your sibling about that they can see that you can't handle the stress and or anxiety and this doesn't mean that you should pretend that you don't have stress or anxiety but let kids hear you let kids hear you expressing how you feel and also see you managing and tolerating it calmly and also feel good about getting through it the second point think things through with your child sometimes it helps to talk through what happened if it what would happen if a child's fear came through how would they handle it a child who's anxious about separating from their parents might worry about what will happen if they didn't if someone didn't come to pick her up so you can talk about that as a scenario so ask the child if your mom doesn't come at the end of the day what do you think you would do and then the child may answer well i would tell my teacher or someone in the office uh, that my mom's not here and what do you think they would do uh well the child can then answer they would call my mom or they would come and wait with me for some kids having a plan can in, can reduce the uncertainty in a healthy in a healthy and effective way the third uh the third thing you can do as a parent is to encourage your child to tolerate their anxiety it can't go away it's there let your child know that you appreciate the work it takes to tolerate their anxiety in order for them to do what needs to be done it's really encouraging him or her to engage in life and let the anxiety take its natural curve this curve is called the habituation curve it will drop over time as your child continues to have contact with the stressor it might not drop to zero it might not drop as quickly as the child wants it to or as quickly as you as the parent wanted to but that's how we get over fears number 4 do not reinforce the child's fears what you don't want to be doing or saying with your tone of voice or your body language is maybe this is something you should be afraid of let's say a child has had a negative experience with a dog next time she's around a dog you might be anxious about how she'll respond and you as a parent might intentionally send the child a message that they should be afraid or that they should be worried sometimes the child's probably gotten gotten over that experience or they've had other exposures to other dogs that didn't frighten them as much as another dog did and now they um they can calmly react to this dog so you as the parent might project based on what an experience that you told you saw the child dealing with number 5 respect your child's feelings respect their feelings but do not empower their feelings it's important to understand that validation doesn't always mean agreement so if a child is afraid to go to the doctor you don't want to belittle their fear and also say like and say things like what are you scared of it's just a simple doctor you know oh it's only a little a shot or a small shot or it's just a needle what's the problem you also don't want to amplify their fears you don't want to amplify their anxiety and say oh i know i, I don't understand it's going to be very difficult you want to listen and be empathetic as a parent you want to help her understand that what she's anxious about is okay 
and to encourage her to feel that she can face this fear because the message you want to send as a parent is I know you're scared and that's okay I'm here and I'm going to help you get through this the sixth point don't ask leading questions I know a lot of parents are very guilty of this one they will they will ask a child like you're afraid of the dog right when the child isn't even afraid of the dog so you encourage your child to talk about their feelings but try not to ask them leading questions so instead of asking them are you anxious about tomorrow's big test you could worry you could ask them something like how are you feeling about tomorrow's test or instead of asking them are you worried about uh, going to tabo's party or you could say how are you feeling about going to Tabo's party. So you're actually getting the information firsthand from them. So ask them open-ended questions such as, how are you feeling about this? Or how does this make you feel? Number seven, don't avoid things just because they make the child anxious. Helping children, don't avoid things just because they make the child anxious. Helping children avoid the things they are afraid of will make them feel better in the short term for then but it reinforces the anxiety over the long run if a child if a child in an uncomfortable situation gets upset and starts to cry not to be manipulative but just because that's how she feels and her parents just whisk her out of there and remove the big thing that she's afraid of she's learned that coping mechanism which means that cycle is potentially going to perpetually um, repeat itself so try to get yourself out of situations and try to deal with things as they happen number eight be expressive positive be expressive and have expressive positive but realistic expectations so you can't promise your child that their fears are unrealistic you can't promise them that they won't fail a test you can't promise them that they're going to have fun ice skating or that another child won't laugh at them those are not things that you can guarantee but you can express confidence that they're going to be okay and that they'll be able to manage these things and that as he or she faces their fears the anxiety level will drop over time so this is encouraging but it also encourages the child to try and face uh what they are feeling or seeing and you're also not going to ask a child to handle something to handle something that is much bigger than them if it's obvious that they can't handle it number nine when try to keep the anticipatory period short when we're afraid of something the hardest time is really the time before we do it so another rule of thumb for parents is to really try and eliminate or reduce the anticipatory period so if a child is nervous about going to a doctor's appointment you don't want to get into a discussion about it two hours before in as much as you want the child to be ready but what you're probably doing more harm than good because that's more likely to get your child uh, revved up so just try to shorten the periods to a minimum before try to shorten that anticipatory period 10th and last the goal isn't to eliminate anxiety but to help your child manage it none of us wants to see an unhappy child but the best way to help kids overcome anxiety isn't to try and remove the stresses that trigger it it's to help them learn to tolerate the anxiety and function as well as they can even when they're anxious and as a byproduct of that the anxiety will decrease or fall away over time thank you for listening to this uh, this episode and i hope it has helped you to realize your need to be self-aware and to be understanding of other people's daily struggles with anxiety